You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Okay, so we are going to take a little digression. And I think a bit of this as an analytical digression as we go through the second chapter of Bikurim. We've covered already the question of who can bring Bikurim and what has to be brought. In the next chapter, in chapter 3, we're going to cover the question of how they are brought. But in this chapter, in chapter 2, in the analytical diversion, we're going to examine the similarities and the differences, if you like, the parallels between different kinds of things. And we're going to begin with a three-way comparison between Terumah, Bikurim and Maser Sheni. The Mishnah refers throughout Maser, but it's, it's talking about Maser Sheni. Maser Sheni, which we bring to Jerusalem, Terumah, which we give to the priests. And then as the chapter progresses, we're going to get into different kinds of comparisons. We're going to start comparing different kinds of animals, different kinds of things. We're going to this this chapter is a if you like a chapter of comparisons but we start with three parallel mishnayot the first about truma and bikurim the second maser sheni and bikurim and the third truma and maser sheni so in other words of these three kinds of offerings we're going to pick two at a time and we're going to examine their similarities. Of course, there are three groups of two, so we need three Mishnayot. Let's start. Let's start with Truma and Bikurim. And there are classic classic similarities. One's liable to death. That means if we eat them as a non-priest. This is death at the hands of heaven. We don't take someone out and and um, subject him to a capital a trial for, under capital punishment. But this is mita al so to speak. Chayavim alahim mita, the chomesh, the fifth applies. Remember, we've learned about the fifth is actually a quarter. If we redeem them, we have to add on a quarter. So that what we've added on becomes a fifth. They belong to a priest. We learned about this in, in when we learned the Masechet of Truma. But if if truma, or for that matter, bikurim, fall in a grain silo, but in a dilution of less than 101 to 1, then we can fix the problem just by taking one measure out and giving it to a kohen. If the dilution is more than 101 to 1, then the whole silo takes the status of doubtful truma or doubtful bikurim, and that's a big problem for the farmer. And then they require washing of hands before they're eaten and the setting of the sun. This is a Kohen who's become Tameh. He needs to wait for the setting of the sun and immerse before he can go in and eat his truma or his or his bikurim. That's the first group of that's the first group. Second group are Maser Sheni and Bikurim. So not Truma, in other words, Maser Sheni. And, Bikurim. and of course, what we know is they have to be brought to Jerusalem in the words of the Mishnah. In the words of the Mishnah, Bringing to the place 
But there's only one place, right? And that's Jerusalem. And they request recitation. We recite, uh, a, there's a recitation over the Maser Sheni, just as much as there is over the Bikurim. They're both at the beginning of the Parsha of Kitavo in Devarim. And they're forbidden to an Onen. Although here Rabbi Shimon permits, and we're going to see throughout this Mishnah that Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon has a view that Bikurim are really closer to Truma than they are to Maser Sheni. So all of these examples, Rabbi Shimon will agree on the Maser Sheni, but he sees Bikurim as closer to Truma. And I understand reading the Bart Nur, he actually has a verse for this. He has a Pasuk. But I'm embarrassed to say I don't know what the Pasuk is because the Bart Nur doesn't tell us what the Pasuk is. He says that there is a Pasuk that make, that says Bikurim or Truma, but I can't find it. It's not one of the ones source psukim we've learned. If I manage to find it, I'll I'll tell you. But Rabbi Shimon definitely knows which one it is, and <laughs> if he could tell us, he would. And then there are other similarities. The Chayavim We've got to get the the, the fourth, the um, uh, the third year and the sixth year. We have to get rid of them from our house. One once Pesach comes, although Rabbi Shimon exempts for. Bikurim because he thinks they're like Truma. And once we get to the place, once we get to Jerusalem, the slightest mixture of them, no matter what the dilution is. In other words, the rule of 101 to 1 doesn't apply. Well, once you're in Jerusalem, if Chulin and Maser or Chulin and Bikurim are mixed up, the whole thing require, acquires the status of the offering and has to be given to the Kohen. And even what grows from them. If we, if you took that food and then planted it and something sprouted from it in Jerusalem, what grew from it would have the status of Maser Hashim. It would be grim and you'd have to give it to a Kohen. They're forbidden to non-priests or to... And you, you certainly can't give them to cattle. So that's the second group. Maser Sheni and Bikrim and their similarities are all focused on place. And then the third group, the third group are Truma and Maser, but not Bikurim. So Truma and Maser have got their own similarities, which we've learned, by the way, in the Masertot, in the Rav Masertot, where we, we've learned Truma, we've learned Maser Sheni. What do we know? Well, Hatruaviha Maser Osrin Atagorin, they make the threshing floor forbidden. What's the Mishnah talking about here? He's talking about the food on the threshing floor. But once the food gets to the threshing floor, and we've talked about it reaching, if you like, the manufactured, the final state of preparation. Once the food gets to the threshing floor, we can't eat it until we've taken out Truma and Maser. And this is not the case for Bikurim. You can eat food before you present to the Bikurim. But you cannot eat Truma and Maser until you've taken out what has to be taken out. Then the Mishnah explains, Yeshlahim Shiur, um, there's a set amount. Well, we know, if we learn for Truma, the set amount is not very, very set. It can be anywhere between, you know, one and a half percent and two and a half percent. But in some way, there's a set amount. And for Maser Sheni, there's certainly a set amount because it's a 10%. But for Bikurim, 
Well, you just have to bring some Bikram. There's really no set amount at all for Bikram. So Bikram are very different here. That's one of the, I mean, it's one of the delightful things about Bikram, actually. You just kind of, you, you know, you choose a nice fruit and you bring it to Jerusalem in your, well, we'll find out in the next chapter in your gold basket. What, are, what else about Truman Marseille? Well, they apply to all produce. Nohagim b'chol haperot. Any anything they'll eat needs to have truma master taken from it, even vegetables. Whereas we know we've learned in the begin in the previous chapter of bikurim that bikurim are only from the seven species, only from the seven species that the land of Israel is famous for. And we've already learned about the connection between bikurim and the land. There's this organic um, connection between the bikurim and the land. You have to be rooted in the land. You have to own the land in order to bring bikurim. Whereas for Truman and Marseille, if you're a sharecropper or a leaser or a Sikari Khan, remember we learned what a Sikari Khan is. It's someone who's basically forcibly taken his acquired land by force, by threatening someone with essentially murder if they fail to sell. So he has acquired the land, but he hasn't really acquired it lawfully. And these fellows don't have to bring Bikurim because they're not connected to the land. But they do have to bring Truma and Maser. And the Mishnah says, Uva Gazlanim, Uva Gazlan. Even if you're a, a thief, even if you're a thief, you have to bring Truma and Maser. Even though you're exempt from Bikurim because you don't, well, you don't, you, don't, you don't have ownership, right? You don't have ownership, you can't bring Bikurim. And then the Mishnah concludes, this applies to Truma and Maser, but not to Bikurim. So what are we doing? Well, I guess we're enunciating the principles here. And we said yesterday that the Mishnah is recollecting. The Mishnah is, is being codified more than 100 years after the temple is no longer standing. But the rabbis are looking back and they're collecting in their minds the parallels, the similarities and the differences. And they're organizing and synthesizing. And essentially what we've got in this chapter of the tractate is the result of their synthesis thank you for listening to this edition of the daily mishnah podcast with benedict